Life's a Mitch. <laughs> G'day, guys. Welcome to a special edition of Life's a Mitch podcast today. So if you cast your minds back ages ago, you might have seen a little promo of this bald idiot wearing a onesie that was way too tight for him. Um, I went on a show called Mastermind, and um, I can honestly say that my head is definitely better for radio. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, I, it's been interesting. Like, So this gentleman I'm about to, to introduce has absolutely skyrocketed um, this podcast audience anyways because – it, based on the video that he made and shared, it went on viral and all got to go on fake doctors, real friends, as we all know. But this man is an absolute giant in the Australian media industry. He's a film critic. He's a technology journal. He's a TV host, an eclectic podcaster, an author, game show host. And if I could go on all day and on top of all, <laughs> he's the most handsome human I've ever put my eyes on. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Mr. Mark Fennell. <laughs> Hello, Mitch. How are you, mate? Good, good. And um, if that seems like I'm trying to uh, impress you, it definitely was. So go- <laughs> oh, mate, I will take it. I you, The thing that people don't realise, I go home and my kids are like, Daddy, what do you do? Do you just wear makeup for a living? That is literally what my kids think I do. They think I wear makeup for a living. And then a couple of months ago, they saw, um, you know, Adam Liao, the, the very famous chef, who's kind of a mate because we've known each other for a long time. They saw him on a bus shelter. Yeah. They, they saw him saw on, on, on a bus because advertising a new show. And my daughter, who's four, she went, Daddy, Adam is bus famous. You're not very famous. I'm like, <laughs> thanks, so. And so it's very, it, I will take all of the accolades from you because at home, I'm just the, what does daddy do? So this is great for me. Please keep, keep it coming. Well, if you're bus faced, everyone's had a ride then, haven't they? And that could be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna tell Adam you said that. <laughs> well, if he if he wants to bother some some little commoner and curry curry, I say bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> he would, you know. No, I'm <laughs> I better start stretching first, then. <laughs> All right. So, as everyone knows. Everyone was probably seen the video. You were the host of Mastermind, and everyone would have seen me, you know, with this massive head on Tilly. You know that I, I, it's never happened to me in my life, but I've been fighting the baldness for years. And about twelve months ago, I started to go. You know what? It's time just to get rid of it. My head was mm. that shiny. They had to put foundation <laughs> on it. Like it's like, yeah. what the- <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh. No, you're allowed to laugh because it, 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 you're allowed to laugh because it makes me feel good on the inside. I'm not on the, not so much on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you what the experience of that day was like for me? Yeah, that's, so I was, that's what, what people, I was going to say. Yeah, please do. So, what people don't realize is, so I took over hosting Mastermind this year, and you shoot about 95, 98 episodes, right? That's a yeah, lot of episodes. And what you normally do is you shoot five of them in a day. So you're basically shooting a whole week's worth of episodes in a day. And, um, you know, look, sometimes the the contenders absolutely blow you away. Um, sometimes you get special subjects that are just so fiddly, you just spend half the day falling over your own words because you got to get it word perfect and you got to get it word perfect at speed. And, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm fallible. So you do get those days where you're like, you're deep into episode three. And you're like, this is, you know, happy to be here, respect it. But you're like, yep, starting to merge all into one. And then, and then, young master Mitch here, <laughs> I see you sitting in the chair. And I remember walking out onto the studio and just being like, what is happening here? <laughs> and of course, the moment, the thing is happens is like, you guys get down to the set before I get down to the set. So you're sitting down there. So when I walk out, 
you've all got this like stunned mullet look at, <laughs> looking at me. And I'm like, I just remember like eyeballing you going, I want to know everything about what's going on here. <laughs> and you have this great advantage of also just being very, you are very funny. Oh, stop it. <laughs> you are. This is just the whole, this whole podcast is just going to be us doing this to each other. It'd be terrible. Um, no, you were very, I, very so funny. So and, I'm, I'm okay with it. And that. it's also it's also a pretty sparse set, right? So, you know, it's meant it's big, big dramatic lighting. And when you're into it, like the lights go down. So pretty much all you can see is the, the big shiny light above you and this, you know, chubby brown person in front of you feeding you questions as fast as he can. <laughs> and so, like, there is something to be said for, like, rocking up with a look right? Because that's what people remember. And people go, people decide very quickly who they want to win and who they want to lose, right? At, at home when they're watching, they're like, that guy, I want that guy. So, you know, I think what you did is not a terrible model for anybody else that ever wants to come and do the show, which is like, you know, do something that makes people decide very early on, they want to go for you. And I think lots of people, I mean, evidently by the response you got from the clip that we did the rounds on the internet, people wanted, you know, people bought into you. And that's, that is not, that is not something that everybody has. It's not just about the outfit. It was also about your sense of humor as well. And I think that counts for a lot. It's, it does. And it's like, I'm either really funny or I'm really good at making people feel sorry for me. Either way, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, that is a wonderful combination and never lose it. So long as you're not doing yourself harm and, you know, damaging your own self-esteem in the process, it's a great combination. Oh, a sympathy laugh. Oh, here you go, Mitch. Oh. I was going for the human. I look like a human thermometer. One of the guys from work said, <laughs> he's just like, have a go at you. You're like, you're a human toe ball and you look like a big thermometer. I get it all the time. And um, why big thermometer? I don't get it. It's like you know that you got the the, the bald head on. Top oh, the red. The, oh, the red. I oh, said so be like an upside down thermometer. Okay. Yeah. I I, I know. Classy bunch from work getting stuck into me and a bunch of coal miners going. Seen you on TV last night. It's funny. Exit stage <laughs> left. I'm like, what did you think about it? I was so awkward because as I was late, I come off night shift the other day. It was so awkward. So as you walk in, they do their drug testing at the toilet just before you exit. There's toilets everywhere. And I'm mm. busting to use the can, like as you do. And uh, me being me, I got told to look like a human thermometer, exit stage left. I'm thinking, okay, that was weird. Anyway, so I'm walking out. <laughs> I didn't see the big sign in front of me that said drug testing in progress. I'm like, back down, walked in there. And I just about needed a green whistle for how hard I pushed out. It was ridiculous. And I did my thing. <laughs> I've done my thing. I walked back out and there's a lady uh, doing the testing. Like, didn't you see the fucking sign? I'm like, I'm so sorry. So embarrassed continue to walk away and then old mate the next bloke had to go in there do his test had a little peek up and as he's walked in the door was closing or if he is oh fucking jesus like, i couldn't have got out of there fast it was so embarrassing <laughs> wait so how, so you have to do that every time you rock up the shift no it's it's um it's random i just happened to use the one oh. the, the one taught out of about 50 that i shouldn't have but gee fuck i was embarrassed <laughs> oh wow so what do they do like do they, does somebody watch you like what's the process well in this because circus- believe it or not they don't drug test you in television shocking it's Oof. that they don't there are no standards but yeah it's new to me Oof, you're high on vitamin handsome have a go at you and <laughs> so we um i don't know <laughs> it's cheesy it's oh dear it's ironic because i'm lactose intolerant but um oh dear lucky you work in earthworks as i'm just digging fucking shut up mitch and so what they do is it's just they the doors partially closed and she just looked like waits patiently outside and yeah i don't know i mean she wasn't completely looking with an open door i probably didn't help the fact because it stunk like absolute mongrel but anyways things you do 
And I don't, I don't know why I just told you a shit story, but moving on. Ah, oh, I, I, if, if we're doing well, it'll be the first of many. Oof, I love talking shit. So <laughs> that's why you have a podcast, sir. <sighs> oh, this is, this is true. So, you know, so a little bit about this is that, you know, it's, we've, we've spoken loosely on, on Messenger for a while now and we filmed back in, in March, I think it was March 1st. Ages ago. Yeah, and, it was ages ago. Um, you've been kind enough to give me some direction and some advice because, you know, you've done heaps of podcasts and more recently the one with Beyond Blue. Do you want to talk, tell us a little bit about that? And uh... Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, so uh, for the last two years I've been working with Beyond Blue. Um, a big part of my job over the last couple of years across sort of all the different broadcasts I work with is just sort of doing one-on-one interviewing, talking to people about sometimes those people are like really famous and sometimes Sometimes those people are everyday Australians that just have an incredible story. I love both. But uh, early last year, Beyond Blue, who, of course, like the, the mental health organization that offer heaps of resources for different people dealing with different kinds of mental health issues, they reached out and said, hey, um, we'd like to do an interview series, um, a podcast interview series, where we basically you sit down and you go deep with somebody about their mental health journey. And um, I was like, well, that sounds awesome. That sounds like exactly the sort of conversation I love to have. But why? Like, why does that help anybody and they basically said pretty early on we recognize that if other if you can hear another person having gone through something similar to you it's a giant waving flag that says you are not alone and somebody else has been through what you've been through and there is a pathway out and it's funny because when we started the series i started early last year sort of when the bushfires were raging and i remember it really vividly because it was just like a big sort of a there was a big sort of sense of apocalypse right and i was sitting inside these studios having conversations with people like literally about the worst thing that's ever happened to them and it was you know i did one after the other and they're very they're very full-on conversations right and i we didn't have a title for the show but everybody kept saying you know this is important because i need people to know that they're not alone they said like i I reckon i had it six times in a day i was like well we have to call it that and the so we did one season last year and another season um at the top end of this year and it's it's just finished coming out now the, the second series and um you know just incredible stories and and they are just people like us, like everyday Australians that have been through from, you know, really diverse walks of life. Um, you know, I still remember the guy actually we did in the first series, Cliffy, who was a, um, a fiery who went through um, the black, um, the uh, a few hectic fire periods and the the trauma that that man went through and the community went through was off the chart. Mm. Um, but he was so clear and so um, articulate with talking about how it felt and what it meant and how you found a way out. And um, so I've been doing that for two years and it's amazing. The most amazing part of it to me, apart from just the, the sheer bravery and the courage of people, you know, because it takes a lot, right, to sit in front of a, a person with a microphone and fill your guts, as it were. But I think the other amazing part of it is how the audience audience responds after the fact. So when it comes out, I get inundated with um, messages from people. Usually it takes a couple of weeks after the episode comes out and you get these messages sliding into your DMs or, or whatnot, just saying, hey, can you please pass on to dot, dot, dot. But that story completely changed how I was thinking about what I was going through. And so the principle holds. It's like knowing that other people have been through what you've been through can help you visualize a pathway out. And also it's always just a good reminder that Beyond Blue, I just think, readable organization that have so many resources forums uh text lines like just so many different things because you know if you're going through a rough time with your mental health there's just um sometimes you don't necessarily want to pick up the phone and call a person sometimes you it's easier to chat you know sometimes it's easier you just want to read about what you're going through and they've got these mountains like mountains and mountains mountains of of resources there depending on how you depending on where you are at want to deal with it and so it's also just a great reminder that that stuff is there through kind of a 
human uh, connection. It's it's one of the most I reckon is one of the most important things I get to do in those um, those couple of weeks of of interviews. Well, that's cool. I, I listen to the most part of season two, like because when I get stuck into a series, I'll download them on a USB and take it mm. to a stick on because I'm not allowed to have a phone at work, so I charge up and I listen to the entire series overnight. And I really resonated with uh, was it Noel the the older um, yeah ex counselor and poor guy lost his wife and very articulate very um like even counselors themselves uh, go through yeah. hard times and you know so it's i can say firsthand that it's absolutely relatable and that's kind of like why i do this podcast everyone's got an interesting story to tell and it's and the idea is to get everyone like find a story that every, different walks of life can relate to i've had muslim muslim people who are you know um life coaches and motivational speakers i've had i've spoken about my crohn's disease that experts on i've spoken to you know uh professors i've spoken to sex workers i was you know people that are just of different walks of life and different 20 or different nationalities so far and yeah like that connectivity especially during times of this stupid pandemic mm. and whatever so like you know and the fact we're able to speak through a screen like this it's just perfectly symmetrical for my shit my my head and it works out I fine, so you're in um you're in like four three you're in like the old TV uh right aspect ratio. Oh. Uh, if you get to if you get too widescreen, then it's uh it's time it's time to hit the gym. <laughs> uh, you know the old ratio, <laughs> the the old uh, the older the old radio voices from those days. They're now broadcasting back in Technicolor. Now back, folks, with some live. <laughs> Uh, actually, I had a question there. Why aren't you allowed to have a phone at work? Because it's just one of the site policies that it's high risk. It's high risk uh, work, and no mm. one wants you to be on your on the phone whilst operating your dozers, diggers, and stuff like that. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Didn't know that. It's a it's a common thing amongst it's open cut mining. So just some some allow, some don't. Ours just doesn't. So you know, is what yeah. it is. Um, that's oh, fascinating. Yeah, it was interesting. And so you know, you you've been in the media now for the best part of twenty years, and. It all started Shit, by... That makes me feel old. <laughs> well, you look younger than just about all, everyone I know. I'm actually only eight years old, but this is how shift work ages a man. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually a cautionary tale. This whole podcast is just a cautionary tale about the dangers of shift work. I, yeah. Uh, uh, lesson number one, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> it's fine. Well, good. So I'm just curious, how does one, you started your journey by winning a competition, is that right? So you started your days reviewing movies and um, you've represented and worked on some of the biggest networks in Australia and BBC in the world and where else you've been. So like, tell us about how like it all started for you. It did kind of start with the competition. Actually, It's funny, I didn't really think about it in those terms at the time, but I guess it kind of was. Um, so I finished school and I decided that I was going to be a filmmaker by night and a graphic designer by day. Don't ask me why it had a day-night separation. It just did. Um, and I was um, looking for good websites to kind of, um, I was I was kind of a strolling for good design websites. And I actually came across a community radio station in Sydney where I grew up. And it was for a radio station called FBI. And I kind of walked in, I was 17. Um, and I was like, hey, I can review movies. Also, I can do graphic design. And they kind of took, they must have taken pity on me or something. Because they basically the taught me, yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> yeah, and they sort of taught me radio from scratch, pretty much. And uh, after about a year from that, I I heard that the David and Margaret, you remember David and Margaret used to host the movie show, the two old people. So they did, um, they did that show on SBS for a million years, technical term, and they were about to bounce <laughs> from SBS to the ABC, and SBS was desperate to not kind of um, to kind of get a show to air, a replacement show to air before 
David and Margaret launched on the ABC. So they had this big call out for people and I think they cast everyone else in the show. And I think it was a very SBS. I, I, sus- I don't know this, but I suspect what happened was they, they cast four people and they cast three of them. And I think they went, oh shit, they're all white. We need a brown person that's SBS. And that's, <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. I can't, I can't back that up. But they, um, so they went, where's that, that 18 year old from, uh, from, from community radio in Sydney? He, he wasn't too bad. And I actually vividly remember like going in and doing the screen test. And in fact, it was in the same room that you and I met. That's, that's where I did my screen test when I was 18 years old. I sat in David Stratton's chair and I read what was supposed to be a three minute script. And I was so nervous. I reckon I read it in about 30 seconds flat. And I looked at them and went, was that a bit fast? And they went, <laughs> yes. Um, but they, they called me back and they got me to do this segment where I just reviewed kind of cult DVDs. And so I did that for two years. And after that, I was desperate to start doing movie reviews on Triple J. Like I actually had no career plan beyond Triple J. I That's was like, I... I want to be the movie person for Triple J. That's where and I so first I... learned your work, that yeah. movie guy. Yeah, I think that I think for lots of people that's probably still because I did it for 11 years. Like, it's a really long time and Triple J gets listed everywhere. And I think a lot of people do still remember me. But, and I'm super, I'm super proud of the time I spent at Triple J. I love Triple J. It meant so much to me as a teenager growing up. It means so much to me now to kind of watch how Triple J has grown and changed even after I'm, I'm old and I've left. Like, I think I love it, its place within Australian culture, particularly like being young in Australia. Like, um, so anyway, so basically I, I was so desperate to get on Triple J that I... Um, I started doing a segment on Super Quest, because uh, which was the like the nighttime show, and I did it for free. Like I actually, I would go in and I'd record it and I'd mix it and I'd put it together, and I did it for free for about a year. And I was so desperate just to be there. Um, and then after that, they're like, "We should like give you some money because this is ridiculous." And it wasn't very much money, but that's how keen I was. And I think after after I got on Triple J, I didn't really have a plan. I was like, "I was all I want to be. I just want to be the movie guy." And so everything that's happened since then has been sort of an act. Not an accident. That makes it sound like I'm not trying. I think it's been a lot of like trying lots of different things, like just trying a lot of different things and seeing what sticks. Yeah. So I remember in like 2009, I was like, I would have been like 22, 23. I remember being, ah, oh, I'm going to need something else at some point. And so I was like, I'm going to try doing a comedy show. So I applied to do a comedy festival show in Melbourne with a friend and then I'm going to see if I can write a book and I wrote like a proposal for a book and I emailed it to some publishers I just like we had this weird period of like just trying heaps of stuff and seeing it would stick um and I kind of expected and I was going to try it there was this uh, project for like they were going to launch a new tv show kind of hosted just by young people um uh, that was Andrew Denton was going to executive produce and I was like I'll send in an application for that and I just sort of assumed that maybe one of them would get up or probably none but you just got to try you just got to try and that one year, uh, I got the book deal, did the, um, did, the, did the show that eventually became Hungry Beast on ABC TV, and uh, I did a possibly quite mediocre comedy festival show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And I just, and we, we did them all, and somehow, like, it was a really stressful, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to give it a red-hot go sort of moment in my life. But it's sort of been that ever since. Like, I've always been a bit like, let's just see if this works and give it a shot and see what it feels like. And, and if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, uh, just delete it from your website and hope to God that nobody ever remembers. So that's still the way I kind of operate to some degree. That's the way you you get places. I mean, me personally, I've had a, a, a heap of jobs. I was a, my first job was a door greeter at Bunnings and quite often I'd be there hung over and the doors would open. <laughs> doors would open. And Did you, you at least get some of the, the sausage sizzle though? Like Yeah, you, you go out and like get $4 out of the till because you could do it then. It was enough for one sausage and one drink because I spent, <laughs> and that was enough. And then, so I was a childcare worker. I worked in 
road building, worked in like uh, obviously mining and I've been like, a, I worked overseas in pubs in England for a while too. Mm. So, and then, but what I've always wanted to do is, is take the path of media. So at the moment, this podcast has been doing quite well, um, you know, and thank you for the promo video and stuff that's come out. And part of me is like, oh, I'll go on Mastermind. I didn't really initially have in my mind to try and promote it, but it was just fortuitous the way it worked out. And then I woke up, oh, Donald Faison's messaging me. So Turk from Scrubs. It's like... <laughs> I still love that. I still love that it it got so big that you reached you reached those two guys. That's amazing. It blows my mind. It really does. Oh, it's like is this a jump or what? I didn't know what to expect. And before I know it, I was speaking to Joel, the producer of the show, and I spoke to him. I had him laughing for twenty minutes straight, just teaching him some Aussie vernacular, and you know, carrying on like an absolute pork chop. And um, you know, we had good fun and it. From there, it's it's it went well, and and I'm actually volunteering at a local radio station now, and working towards you know possibly getting a gig later and later on in life. But for now, I'll just keep fighting the fight, and you know I'm, the shift work is as I said, it's taken its toll. Like I'm eight years old, and I want to try and make it to 25 <laughs> if I can. So, but you know what I mean. I believe like, in you. Oof. I believe I can. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's you, you hear like you hear of stories of people like yourself who try different things because, you know, like even Zach Braff himself, he's not just an actor, he's a director, he's a cinematographer. Mm. Donald's an animator, an actor, you know, it's like different. If you find yourself going on one path and it doesn't work, then you're going to be destroyed. But if you try different, you know, don't put all your cards into one box or whatever the meta, however the metaphor goes on it's um you know it, it works so you know that's a clear example of try different things and if it doesn't work try and try again i'm mitch kelly <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> i think you no look i think you're right i think um it's also a way of insulating against failure right so you know i i joke that you know if something doesn't work you delete off your website and hope that nobody notices it's like it's it's like there are things that I've I've tried and they they worked and then they kind of also work for a season so you move on to something else and I think a big part of why that's okay for me is that I do just try lots of different things and so like at the moment you know I do the feed we've just we've finished mastermind I make docos I do interviews and stuff like that I think for me I'm also a bit a bit career um, agitated so I like to constantly try new things because you never know you never know when a you know TV show is going to fall over you never know when a podcast is going to be a bit shitter than the last one you never know you're going to get fired although I've never actually been fired so I think I'm just living in fear of a thing that's never happened um, so you never know, like it's basically the same thing. You never know when things are going to change. And so you kind of have to like, one of the reasons why I do so many different things at once is to sort of just insulate from if something goes horribly wrong. Um, maybe I wasn't hugged enough as a child. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's just a thing that I do to kind of manage Always. the possibilities. There's nothing wrong with having a backup plan and just humble brag and never been fired. So uh, yeah. That's... <laughs> actually, that's not true. That's actually not true. There was... Um, there was a TV show. It wasn't quite fired. There was a TV show I was going to work on that was going to end up on Channel 10. And they decided two weeks before it went into like production that they didn't really need my contribution. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, shit, I was banking on this. Stuff. And so I had like two weeks to kind of go, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. And they were very good about it. But actually, in the end, they were like, okay, well, we're kind of screwing you over on this. Why don't you work on um, Why don't you work on developing something else? And that was enough to kind of like cushion the blow. But, um, but yeah, no, so I, and there's been jobs where it's like, 
stuff where you really thought it was going to happen. It really felt like it was going to happen. And then it's like, no, we don't like you. We want to replace you with somebody else. So that, that does actually, I lie. I've been pseudo fired. Is that like the, is that the term that showbiz? Yes, it is actually. Um, But you got to do it with jazz hands. Okay. For, jazz to, hands. for the full effect, you got to do it with jazz hands. If I do jazz hands, you'll see the bingo wings just flapping around under my arms here. So I'll just play jazz hands. How's it? So you get your shoulders, you get, you get the elbows in, so no one can say anything. I, <laughs> I look like I'm, I'm trying to hold. I'm hoping you- That's how I hold Cocoa Pops. This ball's cold. Get out of the way. <laughs> Jeez, I love my Cocoa Pops. Uh, eh? <laughs> if anyone wants to sponsor this show, thanks, Cornflake. So, like, just speaking about some of your uh, interviews, I've been spending a bit of time on YouTube just going over some of them. Some honourable names, some some big names, but obviously not include not excluding Tom Cruise, Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, Hans Zimmer, Jennifer oh, yeah. Lawrence. You know, that's yep. just some Michael Parkinson. Like, uh, it's just that's some names of like probably hundreds of thousands if you've done just my next question is like who's the asshole <laughs> well that can be the next follow-up question <laughs> <laughs> who's the gooch who's the bit in the middle who's useless nah. <laughs> <laughs> who's like who's a name uh, who's a name that um was you you got told holy shit i'm interviewing this person today like because you're a pop culture nerd as well aren't yeah. you yeah well i mean it's hard so al gore was was um was an important one but i think actually um just because uh, it was a very specific kind of um, it was a very specific kind of interview to kind of get something out of him that would be feel distinctive and different. But I think the one that's really hard to go past is probably Tom Cruise yeah, because it's... because he's such a okay. So it's it, it's obviously complicated with him, right? Because you know he's very famous and he's been stunningly famous since he was a teenager, right? But you know. I got a call up from the film studio and I've been interviewing sort of big names, you know, for five or six years by this point. And they're like, look, we have Tom Cruise coming to Australia. He has this movie coming out later in the year. Uh, he's not doing any other interviews. Would you be interested in doing it? Um, if you could, if, if you didn't talk about it. They, they didn't say this, but like, look, if you didn't talk about his faith, right, which is obviously Scientology, um, do you reckon you could still get an interesting interview out of it? And I, I give them props for at least kind of giving me a sense of like what the options were. And they they didn't they weren't super explicit about. It. They're like, look, we we just want to know if if you think you would still be interested in it if we couldn't talk about that stuff that obviously so many people want to talk about. Um, and I and it was I respect them for just being really honest about it. They weren't like you can have it, but only if you don't talk about it like this, which does sometimes happen. And I'm always and I always like every journalist I react with like, ooh, disgusting. No, the answer is no. I'm not interested. And so they were, they went about it in a nice in a nice way, and I sort of I took a bit of time. I talked to people. Went, look, there is a lot that's interesting about his life um, that is outside of it, and he has been making movies and been famous since he was pretty much a teenager. And what I didn't realize is um, normally when you interview a, a movie star, the way we do it is, you know, we've set up the rooms, the rooms all set up. They walk in with their entourage. There's a bit of fapping around when you put a microphone on them and then you go. And then the clock starts ticking. Basically, you've got 15 minutes to get something that feels funny, authentic, interesting, distinctive out of them. Feel like you want to create like moments that feel kind of authentic. With him, no entourage, which is weird, right? So he walks in the room. It's I think he's got a PA or somebody that sits in the corner and he just sits down and you go. And the clock isn't ticking because he'll keep talking until he's bored. And then when he's bored, he'll leave, right? So I'm realizing like 25, 35 minutes into this that Tom Cruise is the exact executive producer of whatever room he walks into as far as I can tell and so he just kept on going and I think the, the difficult thing about it was that he isn't he's not you know so when you you talk or when I talk about our lives you kind of identify like turning points or moments when uh moments when your life um changes you can talk about them as turning points in your life whereas he 
kind of can't do that. He can only ever talk about, um, so for example, like his mum was a drama teacher and I was like, oh, did that have an impact on you as a child? He's like, no, no, no. I was always like this. I was always an actor. I was like, okay, cool. So he does, he, he doesn't, he's not super self-reflective in that context, but he could absolutely talk about how he changed through movies. So if you ever go back and watch that interview I did, we actually end up subtitling it Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, the movies that made me because he was best at describing his the journey of his life through the movies that he made. I was like, well, if that works, it works. Like I wouldn't say like in terms of like moments that have stayed with me, it was more just like it was an unusual interview because he was super charming, super lovely. Like, you know, I really enjoyed him as a human being, but it was difficult to get a sense of actually who he was as a person once you got talking you know like you volunteer like great details about your life at, throughout the conversation he doesn't do that i think maybe because he's had a pretty potentially quite combative relationship with the press over the years so he, he wouldn't readily offer it so it was a it was charming and friendly but difficult in the sense that you couldn't quite get a vibe on who he was as an actual human being until you know we got into it yeah i i also have a story to tell you about getting the vibe from a human being you know based on seeing the actions of one if you'd like to hear it i'd love to share this story with you if i could go for it and my response to that is hell yeah tom cruise like it'd be like holy shit and to and that motherfucker still gets out of on planes and stuff at 60 doing his own stunts it's like i don't think he's quite 60 yet but uh, anyways and like it could just have two hours of him just running and i'd still watch it mission impossible (laughs) running to running to retirement and um this um this one particular time i stopped at a service station not quite as glamorous as tom's movies but stopped at a service station i filled my car up at bowser number two and then i've continued to walk in to pay for my fuel and there's this grumpy old lady speaking to the attendant and she goes, excuse me, can you please tell me where the toilet is? And he says, sure. It's just over there near the entrance. So I physically had to walk mm. past this woman. And I'm getting this like feeling of like just cranky bitch syndrome. Anyways, walking and talking mm. to this guy. And he must instinctively say the number of the Bowser out loud to whoever's walking in. And innocently, he looks at me and goes, number two. <laughs> and she's still an earshot. And she goes, no, as a matter of fact, you fucking pervert. It's a number one. What's it to you? <laughs> I could- <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and and she's—we all pissed ourselves laughing. She's walked in, locked the door, and I don't realised how like cranky she actually like made it put herself out to be. But loosely relate, relates to trying to get you know information out of us. She was just a cranky thing and needed to. I don't know. I just I wanted to tell that story because it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> that was probably the worst segue in the world, but I don't care. It made you laugh. Yeah, it did. You definitely did. That's cool. Like, so, you know, we some of the big names. So, okay, next question. Who, who was the asshole that you found where you, you were surprised that sort of, can I ask that? Yeah, I mean, you can, but I'll give you a shitty answer. Um, so the thing with assholes is that it's nice rarely, yeah, uh, it's rarely the um, it's rarely the famous person themselves because they're smart enough to know that you don't be an asshole in a room with cameras and like, right? It's almost always the people around them, the publicist uh, or their, you know, or their person who's following around. Those people are the ones that like do my head in. I think the one that like, I remember once we got told that um, somebody needed a very particular kind of chair to sit in. And I was told with like an hour's notice, like, oh, you'll sit in the perfectly comfortable hotel chair. We're not doing this stupid, stupid stuff. So there's things like that. So I think you know, I must say, like, generally speaking, it's my job to sit in front of people and get them to be as authentic and normal as humanly possible. You know, usually you talk about your your kids or, you know, your, or, you know, whether or not they slept that night. So I, I'm in the business of making people feel comfortable enough to share however much of themselves they want to share, right? In, in that sort of context, it's, yep. um, it's a different kind of conversation. So as a general note, no, there hasn't been that many assholes. Um, 
And, you know, I've been around the world and done people in the US and the UK. And generally speaking, if you approach people with an open, you know, an open attitude and an attitude of genuine curiosity, they will respond in kind. And also, if you know that they're an arsehole from the outset, don't interview them. Like, you know, there are people that come with a terrible reputation. Um, and if you know that going in, you treat them slightly differently. Or, you know, you know some people who are like, who are famously abrasive, right? You just learn that about them, work out what it is about them that pisses them off in interviews, and you work out creative ways around it. So, you know, I've done both of the Gallagher brothers from uh, Oasis at various different points. And they're grumpy motherfuckers. Everybody knows it. But if you come at them with an open mind and, and you treat them sort of, you know, with warmth and respect, you get great things out of them. I mean, Quentin Tarantino has got this famous viral interview where he absolutely fucking goes some um, journalist. And I went and watched it when he, he responds to a sort of a different style of question. So when I did Quentin Tarantino, we, we just treated it differently. I think it all kind of comes down to research. It comes down to knowing, getting their vibe before you walk in the room so you know what's going to get the best reaction out of them. Now, granted, this isn't like, the sort of thing I'm talking about isn't, um, it's profile interviewing as opposed to accountability interviewing. So it's, it's interviewing people to get a sense of their personality and their life out as opposed to, you know, having a, going a government minister who fucks something up. That's a different, that's a different kind of conversation you approach differently. But in the realm of profile interviewing, just trying to get people to be authentic and show a bit of their own, their story in front of a conversation the research is about working out them working out what makes them tick working out what stories define their life and working out how to get them comfortable in the fastest way possible to tell their story and that that's the thing that i feel like i spend most of my time doing when i prep for those kinds of interviews um, just working out how to get the best out of people and and what's going to get you there i guess yeah i so as I was doing the radio show this morning, I did a bit of a search on uh, markvanell.com and uh, Mark Vanell's link tree. And uh, for those of you playing at <laughs> home, you know, and like, it's just, you know, you come across your list of bona fides, you know, you're an award-winning journal. You've worked for the BBC. You've worked for the Sydney Harbour, sorry, Sydney Opera House. You've done works with Lifeline, as you mentioned before, SBS, ABC, Channel 10. You know, you know, the very prestigious awards, the Webby Awards, the, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing this right, the Rose Door Award, similar to the Ballon d'Or in football. Uh, thank you. And uh, you know, the Asian Creative National Awards and you were, you know, and you've got this eclectic range of awards and accolades and stuff like that. But I think if I'm going to award you something, it's today, it's like you're winning the hearts of Mitch's all over the world. I can, oh, absolutely killing it. Um <laughs> God help us. And, I mean, I'll don't get me wrong. I will take it. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> no, to be honestly, it'll, if I if I tried anything sexy, it'll look like a seal trying to crawl up the sand. It would be horrendous. But um, don't do that, Mitch. Don't undersell yourself. You keep doing it. Don't do it anymore. So Zach Braff said, "Oh, you're very hard on yourself. Self-deprecation is that a thing?" And I'm like, "Well, in, in my instance, I think so because I don't um I don't see it as like putting myself down because I know deep down I'm a winner. I mean, you gotta you gotta have it's that fine line. I use it. I just use it for comic purposes only. Like mm. the the art of comedy is if you can make someone feel superior to it, chances are they'll laugh at it. So it's only in that context, you know. In my you know every from day to day." I know I'm a winner. Just have a go at me. I mean, yeah, <laughs> a very conflicting. I, no, no, I get it. I do get it. But I don't know. So long as you're not, so long as you, if you know you're doing it for effect or you know you're doing it to get an effect out of people, that's fine. But just 
know that you are funny and I lots of people that. wrote in to say how much they like the shiny head so Oof. i wouldn't you know, sell your looks either someone actually made a reddit thread of that um no so they took a photo really? of me from a tv screen looking up like this i'll send it to you and uh, there's comments <laughs> like oh that, that guy's forehead so big it's a fiveage you know it's mega mind on mastermind and all that stuff <gasps> Oh, wow. Someone called me a giant human thumb, which I thought was pretty cool. And I, Does it, like, if it makes you feel any better, I've been getting versions of that for about 20 years. So, unfortunately, you, if you're on TV, if you're on TV, you become a commodity, basically. So, people are like, oh, there's just a thing I've got in the corner so I can say whatever the fuck I want. Um, yeah, it's, it's and the that happens. warriors, you know, but yeah. And that's fine. Like people can have their, I, I just giggled. I'm like, you know, it's true what they say about TV. My cheeks have never looked better. Wow. Like, it, <laughs> and I wasn't talking about the cheeks on my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could see very clearly your outline of both cheeks. Let's say that way. I think um, I, in that I, outfit. So I ordered the onesie, and um, I think I shrunk it before I had a chance to wear it. I was like, <laughs> it's from the US. It might have coronavirus. Gee, fuck, I'm stupid. So I ch- chucked it in there. <laughs> I've chucked, I washed it, put it in the, in the dryer, put it on. Mm. And do you know how awkward it is when someone, someone tries to size you up for a microphone in a onesie? I don't know what that yeah. producer's name was, but I swear he should have bought me dinner before he did that. Hey, wow. <laughs> As he's going for it, I'm like, oh, you know, next, keep your eyes open next week for this bloke on embarrassing bodies. You ever seen a micropenis like that, champion? He just lost it. Oh, <laughs> oh. Brutal. Brutal. It was about myself, myself, so it was fun. Still, still. I'm kind of giving you like Zoom hugs now because I feel like you need one. (laughs) Except we can't because of fucking COVID. uh, That's all good. Yeah, well, COVID's recent uh, outbreak in Sydney again. I'm lucky up here. We're just just out of the space. The Central Coast is part of the Greater Sydney, and then I'm up here here in the Hunter. So I'm quite lucky Mm. in that regard. So hopefully – so we'll talk about like having a good old whinge in a second. But, um, Mm. you know, to anyone out there who – is looking to better themselves or who's, you know, wanting to take a step forward in making something or doing something, do it. Like if it's one thing I've learned doing this, it's like I got to meet, you know, have interviews with people like Mark or I've met Turk and JD from Scrubs and I do have a guest next month. He um, is a host of another famous uh, podcast and another former breakfast host of Triple J. So yeah, that'll be coming up very shortly. So, Mark, I don't know how much time you got, but every probably, episode... I, I was actually about to say I probably do need to end up soon. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Well, in that case, what we'll do is every podcast that I do has two sections. It's storytelling and this part, we have a good whinge wine sook. I was wondering, would you like to join me in having a bitchy with Mitchie today? Very much so. I'm ready. All right. So what's what's ailing you, sir? What's troubling you? What's, uh, what's, what's on your mind? <sighs> Look, uh, I decided I would pick something obvious. Uh, I would like to bitch about the entirety of coronavirus. Okay. Uh, it, it, just a small thing. Like a small, I, I went with something small. Um, no, it's just uh, at the moment um, in Sydney, obviously we've got, uh, it's not they're like, it's not a lockdown. It's like a, as close as you can get to lockdown without calling it a lockdown. Um, and I, I, it forced me to tally up the sheer number of times like s- sudden lockdowns or, or new kind of coronavirus Ooh. babies have just like gotten in the way of everything. Like, work stuff family stuff um you know i've got a niece in london that i'm just going to be able to walk and talk before i see her uh mm-hmm. and how it's ruined people's businesses how it's ruined people's families i've got friends who've had people die overseas and it's like i know everyone has these stories and i feel like i feel like i've been like i think like journos in general on the internet like have too many opinions and i've been like relatively quiet because i don't want to bitch too much about it and like online but just know that 
I am as angry about it as everybody is. And I really, really just want a vaccine in my arm so I can so the world goes back to normal. And about, it kills me. That kills so, me that I can't get one yet. Well, yeah, well, I'm I'm the same age bracket as you. I'm I'm only like three years younger than you, so I, I feel your pain too. I um I've I've traveled all over the world and you know I want to get back to the northern hemisphere at some point soon. But I agree with you. Like and this is a safe space. You're allowed to have a bitchy with Mitch. I mean, come <laughs> on, it's 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 a part of the section, but I am um, sorry, as you were doing that, my body just did this weird thing. I, I sneezed and sort of half farted. It's kind of like my body took a screenshot as you were talking then. So I, it was, that, that was weird. <laughs> I just, I just like the, the reaction though, of like we've been so conditioned over the past year and a half to like regard all sneezes with like grave concern. Like that person sneezed. Is it the disease? Step back. Why aren't you wearing a mask? And suddenly everybody goes, everybody's anxiety goes to overdrive. So mm. I think that's actually your body reacting to the last year and a half by going, no, we need to expel something, but we are not, we are not, I repeat, expelling it from the mouth. It'll have to go out the other end. Well, in that case, oh, generally speaking, if I do that from the other end, people generally keep the 1.5 minutes away anyway. So <laughs> see, nature finds a way. Evolution and its finest, baby. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess, uh, so yeah, I hate the coronavirus. My bitchy of the week is first world problems. I mean, this morning I went to get a script made. Um, just I've dropped it off, went to the do the radio station, went back three hours. Oh, sorry, you had to sign here. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. So I had to sign. <laughs> I had to sign, wait another 20 minutes. And she come back and she said, oh, which brand would you want? I'm like, why didn't you ask this stuff to begin with? So <laughs> got it done, come home. And I was just like, Oh man, this, this is shit. <laughs> so what could have been absolutely sorted, it's like turned into a first world problem and it helped me make some content for having a good old bitch today. However, first world problem that sounds, clearly I may, you know. No, you are well within your rights, sir. You are well within your rights to be offended and annoyed at a, at a deep elemental level. And I and I see your pain and I respect it. Oof. Take you hear that? Fuck you, Cessnock chemist. <laughs> I mean, I didn't name names, but sure. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't name the brand of chemist. There's about four or five to choose from. So, uh, you know, uh, fuck you, Cessnock chemist. I look forward to the morning. Wake up in the morning where you get like lawsuits from four separate chemists on the off chance. Well, it's just like well. Uh, pharmacy brand is suing your ass, Mitchy boy. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> you'd have to, you'd have to like just see that news and just scoff. I'm like, if someone wants to sue me, they can go for it because they're going to get fuck all out of me because I've got fuck all. <laughs> I've got my wit and the charm and a small laptop. So go me. <laughs> Uh, but, um, so well, if, if people I pray that it never happens if so you know obviously i'm going to share the all your list of bona fides your link tree i mean i don't need to ask you where people can go to, to view your work but before we go like what's what's one of the more um things you worked on thus far that sort mm-hmm. of been one of your more prouder achievements do you think uh, there's a Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, there's a podcast I do for the ABC called Stuff the British Stole, which is a um, it's a history series. It's about um, basically in the days of the British Empire, they stole a bunch of shit that now sits in museums. And if you go back and you tell the story of those objects, actually what you find out is those objects kind of tell the story of all of us, like how we ended up in Australia and how Canada exists and why China has a pretty sus attitude to um, Western nations and things like that. Like those artifacts help you understand the world. And um, 
it sort of changed the way I think about history a lot by making that series. And I, and I, and it's kind of, it was as a bit of a surprise hit. Like it went to number one on Apple podcasts and won some award nominations and stuff like that. So that's probably the thing recently that I feel like, Oh shit, that did not suck. That, that's my bar, by the way. Like I'm, uh, I'm like, I'm all I'm aiming for is does not suck. Now who's, um, now and, who's being hard on themselves? <laughs> yeah, well, you're, because you're fucking infectious, mate. Like, this is what happens when you hang out with you. <laughs> oh, Mitch, you like gravity. You just bring me down. Oh. <laughs> How do you not have children when you have, like, you are just, like, a never-ending fountain of dad jokes? Well, it starts with the thing because I'm what you call single. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it hasn't stopped a lot of people, but, yes, carry on. And you, you only get a certain amount of super likes a day, so you've got to keep going. <laughs> Uh, how is the the Tinder scene in Curry Curry? <laughs> well, okay, t- okay. The Tinder scene in Curry Curry. You go to the local pub on a Friday night. Okay, I can't be better share this. Okay, no, so oh, be about, about eighteen months ago, I um I was making out with a bird, and I swear between the whole pub there was one set of teeth in there and mine. It was ridiculous. So. Her and I were making out, and she's like, "Want to go back to my place?" And okay, beer goggles were on. This is just before lockdown, so doing the trudge and walking past um, through the because I've only been here about four years, so walking through the netball courts and um, got to her house. I'm like, "Oh fuck, what a shithole!" And someone, her roommate, was getting pounded by someone else, and all you hear is, "Put your dick in me!" I'm like, "Oh for goodness sake, what am I doing here?" And I'm, we've got to her, and she's like, "Wait here, Mitch," and she was rough as, "Wait here, I've got to do a shit." I'm like. I'm like, oh no, I, I can't go through with this. So I've got a phone, change my digits, change the name in it, and I took off out of there. So needless to say, the the scene I've had, the luck I've had here in Curry Curry was was pretty was pretty terrible. And um I got the world's first erection. I had three inches grow inside of me. It was oh mate, it was bad. Oh and I don't I don't know anything I can say to this. It's you don't need to terrible. because it's <laughs> you don't need to. It's it's like where all dreams go to die. <laughs> that's the best way I can articulate it. And I can't believe I'd have shared that story with you. Wow. I a small part of me died just then. <laughs> well, that, that image is going to stay with me for a while. You're like, well, that's, and that, will, that's, the, that's the episode. What, what a way to close out. <laughs> I'm going to carry that, carry that image with me for a long time. <laughs> well, I wanted to go out on a high note, but just like um, stories like that, kind of like a human handbrake, just holding each other back. Stop doing it, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, I really, for so many reasons, I've enjoyed this. <laughs> Just like, hey, I did this interview today and holy shit, I got a story for you. This guy, funny, walking to toe ball and absolutely can't even find a bird in curry curry. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Just, there's, oh, there's, there's nothing to oh, say, but, uh, but I am... Um, I thank you so much for your time today. I, you, you, what you've done essentially is I started this because like I was nervous and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to work on something like this and I aspire to get into the media one day and hopefully it'll happen. But um, when you and I chatted that day on, on set and I made you laugh just by the way I sat down, I sat down like this <laughs> and I could feel my little still work, still work, still feel my little titties bouncing up and down. But um, no, mm. it's the, what you've done for me, I cannot, cannot um, be thankful enough. So, and the fact you've, you've, uh, you helped me, you gave me some advice. You said, well, think about any podcast is that you want to pick, you want to pick your topic, pick your audience. 
And from there, you want to start working on. So since then, started a website, a link tree. I know what my demographic is now. And, you know, this it's actually molded into something that has a topic. So I cannot say thank you enough. Um, the pleasure was entirely mine. And it's all you. So I'm just, um, I, I just... I just indi- enjoyed your vibe and I'm glad I'm glad you're working on something that is giving something back. I'm Mitch Kelly. <laughs> well, <laughs> there we go. That's the bar I wanted to go out on. So no, thank you so much. I, um, I'll be in touch very shortly and uh, we'll get this episode out sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for listening, guys, to another episode of Life's a Mitch podcast. So as always, there are an absolute multitude of ways to get involved in the show. Check out www.lifesamitchpodcast.com, all one word, and uh, links to the socials and many streaming options are there. And also, if you want to be involved in the show, hit the email icon, uh, send in a little description of what your story is, and uh, I'll find time to get you on the show as well. As as the story as the show is, it's about storytelling and shedding light on those who ordinarily wouldn't have light shone on themselves. And the audience meets the guests the same time as I do, so it's really a good listen. So and also, if you can spare a little bit of time, feel free to give me a review on Apple Podcasts. That'll be greatly appreciated. At any rate, I hope you're having a great day, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye for now.